Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Football Extra Points on our sports radio. Thanks for joining me tonight. I'm your host, Scott King, creator of FootballExtraPoints.com, part of the Yard Barker Network. And tonight's show, we've got a jam-packed show. Uh, we're going to be discussing the draft again, continuing through our uh, discussions of the offseason. We're going to be breaking down the NFC North. Uh, we've got several contributors from our um, from our site, FootballExtraPoints.com, coming on to discuss uh, the NFC North, we'll be t- talking about the the Lions, the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings. So that should be a great conversation. Then later on in the show, uh, we'll be talking about the AFC East a little bit uh, with the Patriots, Bills, and uh, Jets and Dolphins. And then we'll be wrapping up the show uh, with a, a great guest. Um, that would be uh, Chris Daughtry of Draft Insider. So that would be... Uh, that's going to be a great conversation tonight as we're getting through the draft. I've been spending a lot of time breaking down the different teams' needs. I've put together a master draft draft board this weekend and, and really looking at who's available at what position and breaking down what uh, what teams have done so uh, with their free agency. So it's, it's really uh, getting down to the wire here heading into the draft. We've got just a couple of weeks left, so... Um, some exciting stuff um, around the league. Just uh, some things that have happened here in the last week. Just to recap, Carson Palmer officially made his way to Arizona. Not a huge surprise there. It was talked about um, when Maslin made his way to Oakland that Palmer would be heading to Arizona. Uh, Arizona released Kevin Cobb, who landed in in uh, Buffalo. So quarterbacks kind of shifting around a little bit. Uh, Palmer still has some some. Decent years left in him, I think. He had a rough time there in Oakland, but there hasn't been a quarterback who's had any success in Oakland in about 10 years, so not not putting too much on Palmer there. I think he's a huge upgrade over anybody uh, that uh, Arizona has had a quarterback in the last couple years. So I think that's good. I think that's good for uh, Fitzgerald and those guys, so we'll, we'll see what he can do. Another signing last week that kind of went under the radar a little bit was Namdi Asamoah of San Francisco. And, you know, this is a guy that two years ago, two, three years ago, was arguably the best corner in the league. There was a lot of discussion about uh, him or uh, Daryl Rivas being the top corner and, and where he would land. And it was a huge signing when he ended up in Philly. And he just really fell off the face of the earth and, and has been – highly criticized and questioned his abilities and what he can do at corner. And, you know, if the guy's a great cornerback, the guy's a great cornerback. I don't know how going from Oakland to Philadelphia all of a sudden now the guy can't play. Um, You know, he he was in a little bit different position. He likes to play more of the slot, um, cover the slot guy a little bit more than on the outside. But that Eagles team was just a, a train wreck the last couple years. So, um, don't really put anything on him there. So I think it's a great fit. San Francisco is an outstanding defense. He doesn't have to carry things on his own. Uh, he's got a great front seven, um, decent safeties on the back end. And, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for him, and he can he can give them uh, a really solid play there at corner. So I think that's a, that's a great move. Uh, a couple of other releases, uh, Ian Bidejo, the uh, linebacker there in Baltimore, more of a special teams player than anything. Uh, he was released. And uh, Oakland released Rolando McLean, who, you know, several years ago, I remember heading into the draft, he was touted as 
the best linebacker in years and, and was a, a NFL ready and, and really had all this potential and hasn't really panned out. I think at this point I'm going to chalk it up to being in Oakland. I think the guy still has some talent. So, uh, you know, be interesting to see where he can land. There's definitely some teams still out there looking for linebacker. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about the Bears later tonight. They're still looking for an inside linebacker. Uh, the Jets are. San Diego, I know, needs some linebacker help. You know, just looking through. So I don't think it's going to be too long before this guy finds a landing spot. You know, Denver needs a linebacker, Minnesota, uh, and Baltimore, obviously. So I think this uh, – I think McLean's going to land. I, I like him as a player. So, um, you know, we'll see where he's at. Another big uh, announcement last week, the Lions' Jason Hansen uh, announced his retirement. And he's had a great a great career there in Detroit, 20, 21, 22 years, kicker. Um, you know, he's seen a lot of things in, in Detroit. He saw some decent years in the 90s, making the playoffs every year, um, not really going anywhere, but at least being relevant. And then just the, the abysmal early but really the whole decade of the 2000s, just the disaster under Matt Millen and those guys. And he stuck with it, um, stuck it out with the team, got to the playoffs again one more time uh, two years ago. And, you know, he's a great player. I, I still think he had something left, but, you know, at what point do you do you decide to hang it up? One thing I always remember about him was I was, I was watching a Thanksgiving Day game early in his career, probably mid-'90s. And he had that big, booming, swinging uh, kick that he does. And one of the announcers made the comment on a kickoff that, you know, somebody who kicks like that is not going to be able to stay in the league too long. He's going to end up needing surgery and stuff. And, you know, that guy couldn't have been more wrong. So I, I always think about that. For some reason, that stuck in my head with Jason Hansen. But obviously he was a great player, um, great player for the Lions and, and really uh, – you know, it's too bad that he wasn't able to, to see some more success in the postseason had to suffer through that decade, last uh, last decade with the Lions being so terrible. So uh, kickers, you know, they don't make it into the Hall of Fame, so he'll be, you know, celebrated as one of the greatest Lions ever. Um, he's got all kinds of records as a kicker. They'll retire his number there in Detroit, and he's decided to move on. So they've uh, lined up David Akers, so – We'll see where that goes for them this season. Uh, kicker is the least of their problems. They've got they've got plenty of issues there. So, that's, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But uh, as a Lions fan, I'm a little worried about what this season's going to bring. So just a reminder, uh, we have a draft night special coming up uh, April 25th at 8 p.m. We're going to be covering the draft live, reacting to the picks, giving us comments, taking uh, calls a lot of our contributors at the at the website's going to be calling in, giving us their thoughts and breaking down the picks as we go. So it's going to be a great night. Very excited about that. Um, it's going to be a special broadcast, so make sure you tune in. And just a reminder, um, you are listening to Football Extra Points on our sports radio. If you'd like to join the conversation tonight, you can call in anytime. Uh, the number is three two three. Nine two seven two nine zero six, and tonight we're going to be breaking down the NFC North uh, with several of our contributors to the site. And later on in the show, we'll be talking uh, the AFC East, and closing out the show, we'll be uh, breaking down the the draft needs for the teams there that made the playoffs, the, the bottom end of that first round. So, uh, you know, these are teams there at the back end of that first round who. Um, you know, obviously had success last year, usually more of a complete team. They're going to fill a hole here or there in the draft, uh, maybe a weakness. And a team like uh, New England, Denver, these guys are looking to fill some slots. Uh, you know, a team that had a pretty impressive offseason for me down there at the back end is Indianapolis. You know, what they've been able to do and, and all the holes they've filled in free agency, they've been pretty active. But you can see which teams uh, really have, their cap situation under control. They're making a lot of moves, really improving their team in every way that they can in free agency. And then you've got teams like Carolina who, you know, are just just cap-strapped and dying, and uh, they just can't do anything to improve their team, and it's just really unfortunate. But, you know, as you go around, there's just a lot of moves happening and and uh, teams that have, have uh, cap space, they're making some – 
some improvements to their team, and, and those are the ones that are up there all the time. And these teams that are cap-strapped, you know, usually have management issues and personnel issues, and they can never get out of their own way and end up signing players and overpaying them, and they just can't get things done. So, um, you know, it's just an interesting way to see how, you know, teams that do well in the offseason handle their cap situation well, handle the draft well, you know, are, are these teams that tend to be more successful, and it's not by accident. So, you know, we'll just have to uh, um, to wait and see how the draft goes. But it's going to be a it's going to be a great draft. I think um, this new uh, collective bargaining agreement with the players that limits the the rookie wages has really opened up the draft to be more exciting, a lot more movement, and a lot more activity with trade. So. Uh, that always makes it a lot more interesting and a lot more exciting. So we'll be interested to see what's going on. And, of course, this year we don't have a quarterback there at the top end of the draft. There's no Andrew Luck and RG3 coming out. So it gives, um, you know, a lot more play to the rest of these players. We've got a ton of defense in this draft, offensive linemen. And, you know, that's where these teams are going to make some real improvements and going to – take their team to the next level. So that's how you build a championship. All right. Well, it looks like we have our uh, the staff online to talk about the NFC, NFC North. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing fine, Scott. How about yourself? Great. Not too bad. All right. It's Corey. Hey, Corey. Corey. How are you doing, Scott? Good. And so it looks like we've got uh, Michael, Corey, and, and Casey, all contributors to Football Extra Points and all NFC North uh, contributors and, and fans of the teams like myself. So appreciate you guys calling in tonight. Thanks for having I me. Thought, yep, I thought we'd start off um, talking about the uh, the Vikings. You know, here's a team that has um, – you know, obviously Adrian Peterson, one of the most dynamic players in the league, came back from a huge injury. Uh, quarterback, you know, is a serviceable one in, in Christian Ponder, and in my opinion, and and then one of their most dynamic playmakers in, in Percy Harvin has moved on, but they were able to replace him with uh, Greg Jennings. So Corey, where, you know, from the Vikings standpoint, where do you think their their needs remain in the draft, and where do you think they might head in the draft? Oh well, obviously. Even though we signed Greg Jennings, uh, I think both the Vikings and the Packers are still going to be looking at wide receivers. And I, they're going to be targeting the same players, which would be Tavon Austin, Keenan Allen, uh, Cordell. I don't know if he'll still be there. I think the Rams are looking at a receiver. But beyond that, uh, we've got to address uh, the loss of Jasper Brinkley going to the Cardinals. So we'll, we'll need an inside linebacker. And then we're going to need a defensive tackle as well. I, I think those are the primary needs of the Vikings. And they've got those uh, two picks there at 23 and 25 now. So, uh, you know, you you might have a, a – Manti Teo, probably not an Alec Ogletree sitting there at that end, but you know, definitely one of those top end wide receivers should be hanging out there um right in this twenty three, twenty five range. So I think you guys should be able to fill those needs right there. Yeah. Uh, I I guess Robert Woods from USC could fall to us as well. Just depending, uh this this is a strange draft. When you look at uh all the mock drafts out there, what teams could – the Bills could go with a wide receiver. The Rams could go with a wide receiver. So it's going to be tough to tell who's still going to be there at the 20, uh, 23 and 25th pick. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be – you know, you've got that run of, of linemen up top probably early and then um, – you know, there might be a run of wide receivers, but there's any number of teams down here. You've got the the Rams need, like you said, uh, Pittsburgh needs to replace Mike Wallace. They need a wide yeah, receiver. Um, the Giants could need one. So it's definitely uh, an interesting way to look at it. Um, 
so yeah, the, the Vikings have, have got their work cut out with them. It, but with these two picks, I think it'll, it'll really help them out quite a bit. Um, let, let's bring in uh, Casey in the conversation. As uh, as a Bears fan, you, you see the Vikings twice a year. Um, see how they they play against the Bears. Um, you know, what is your thoughts on on where the Vikings may head in the draft and and based on their moves there, losing Percy Harvin, how how much do you think that's going to impact them? Oh well, um, they grabbed Jennings, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess they could use another receiver to complement him. And their defensive line is getting a little old, if if memory serves me. The, um, maybe they could they, use a little help. You'd be right, Casey, for sure. Yeah, they could use a little help in their front seven. But I, yeah. You know, it, like you mentioned before, this draft is real deep with defensive linemen. I, I, uh, they could probably get somebody in the second or third round and somebody that could help out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let, let's uh, move on there to the, the Bears a little bit. We've got a, a couple of Bears experts online, so we may get some similar takes or maybe a little bit different. So, um, Michael, since you're on um, – how do you think the Bears have done this this offseason in free agency, and, and what do you think they have left to fill here heading into the draft? Well, I'd say that um, free agency-wise, I think they, they're they plugging holes. You see them signing lots of uh, one-year deals. I think these are rentals, not owners. And um, and the new regime is... Uh, is sort of laying the groundwork for evaluating. I think I saw yesterday that half the roster and half the starters will be in uh, at the end of their contracts this year. So I think it's a make or break for the roster now that you've got a new coach and a new, uh, relatively new GM in there. But I like the, the Bushrod signing. I'm, I think Martellus Bennett could be a, a big pickup, but I think they – They've, they've cycled tight ends through there over the last three or four years so quickly that I'm not sure they're set yet on what they need at that position. If they want the 300-pound blocking tight end protecting the line and opening running holes or if they want the down-the-field receiver because it seems like we've come full circle from Greg Olson through Kellen Davis and Matt Space and now back to Martellus Bennett. So, um I'm a little skeptical of that one, but I like the two offensive linemen. As I don't think they're stellar A players, but they're they're good holes, and that was clearly the weakness of the team over the last two or three years. Yeah, I actually have the Bears as, as one of their targets at tight end for, for that exact reason. You mentioned their offensive line has been so weak. Um, you know, they need to keep in that extra tight end for help uh, help with blocking or, or have the running back stay in the, in there for, uh, chipping. So, um, you know, that's definitely neat, but they've made, they've made a lot of moves. And like you said, they, I mentioned earlier in the show, the teams that are tied up in, in cap trouble are the ones that just really suffer and they get, get all, you know, mangled up in these bad cap situations and can't make any moves. So it sounds like the bears are really, um, trying to get their cap situation straight heading into next year. Uh, and Casey, you know, talking about the Bears, you've got obviously they made the tough move to move on from Erlacher. They did sign uh, DJ Williams out of Denver, but do you think they're done with the linebacker situation? You think they're set there, or, they, or may they maybe they go linebacker there at number twenty? Uh, they might go linebacker at number twenty. DJ Williams, they signed him for a year. Um, he's had problems. He had a terrible season last year. Um, when, not when he was on the field, but just getting on the field with personal problems. So they're probably trying him out, seeing if he can behave himself and uh, and make some plays for them. And maybe they re-sign him, or maybe they go somebody in the draft. But uh, yeah, you know, it's tough to say what they're going to do at number twenty. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay, this is great. And, I'm a, I'm a Vikings fan, but I do live in Denver. So uh, I've got to follow <laughs> DJ Williams. Oh, I'd love thing. to hear about him. And I, I just, his off-the-field issues 
are just so over the top. I don't know that I, I don't even know that he was a great performer for the Broncos. So I'm skeptical. I I don't think that he can replace Erlacher, and I don't think most oh, no. people, you know, can. So I, I think most just living in Denver, most Bronco fans were glad to see DJ Williams go. So I'm not sure that he's going to be the best uh, option for you guys. But the the Bears are the question mark team, I think, in the NFC North. Just with a new regime coming in and everything. And wouldn't you say that uh, maybe the Bears should be looking at a wide receiver as well? Uh, You've got other needs as well. But they, they, what they lack in wide receiver is a guy who can really stretch the field. Uh, Brandon Marshall had a great season last year, and they had trouble keeping Alshon Jeffrey and Earl Bennett on the field with injuries. So they, they were relying on guys like Kellen Davis to catch passes for them, which, you know, that's, that's not where you want to be. Yeah, they could use a wide receiver, but like I said, I think they need a guy who can who can scare safeties a little bit and stretch the field. And that's a guy you could pick up in the draft in the fifth round. I don't think they they need to 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 you know blow their wad in the first round to get a wide receiver. I think they have other needs there. Right, I agree. I think I think, I think the uh, the Bears roster. You look at it; it's a lot easier to make a list of the. Positions they don't need have a need than the positions they do. I mean, Cutler, Forte, Marshall, Briggs, Peppers, maybe Melton. That's uh, right, and and this is that, a, this that's is, it. This is a great draft to not have those problems. You know, you yeah. don't need a quarterback. You don't need a running back. You don't need a receiver. I mean, the, those skill positions are pretty pretty thin in this draft. What they could use, you know, linebackers, offensive linemen. Those those are really deep in this draft and. And so that that gives the Bears a lot of options. They're going to. Uh, they're they're going to. I think we saw with Phil Emery last year. Um, you know that his, his first first round pick was um, was clearly under the the strategy of best available, taking Shane McClellan at a position they really didn't have a need, as evidenced by right. the fact that he didn't even start. And he's really out of scheme. Being he's really an outside linebacker in a 3-4, and the Bears were in a 4-3. So I think he took the most talented player he thought available. And you look at who went after him, it's hard to argue that he missed. I mean, Kobe Fleener and Doug Doug Martin went after him. But otherwise, I think he took the most talented player available, and I think you'll see him probably do that again at 20. He's going to look at the board. They've got tons of spots where they could use at least depth, if not starting talent, and you'll see him take the best player on the board, whether that's an offensive lineman, uh, a defensive lineman, a wide, it doesn't matter. He'll take, yeah. he'll take the or best tight player end. in the first. Yeah, sure. yeah tight end. Actually, I'll be, uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they traded that pick at 20. They've only got, I believe, five picks in this draft. I'm sure they'd like to have a couple more. And they can fill a lot of those needs, you know, outside of the first round or, or you know, way deep in the first round. So I wouldn't be right. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they traded down. Back to the DJ uh, Williams thing, I think I think you actually see him in Nick Roach's spot on the strong side. Um, I think he's a better fit there, and then he he also is not uh, under the Burlocker replacement tag. And I I think they look to a guy like uh, like Arthur Brown out of Kansas State who is who is eerily similar to Erlocker in that he played safety as early in his career. He's side to side and down the field fast. He's a little undersized. He needs a tackle in front of him to protect him from the, the second level blockers. He's he's almost Brian Erlocker reincarnated. I think he's a he's a he'll probably be there at twenty. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a he's a likely likely candidate. Yeah, definitely I think he'll be there at twenty two. But I don't think anybody. I don't think we're looking to replace Brian Urlacher. That's that's tough. That that was incredible talent there. Um, unfortunately, Father Time caught up with him, and uh, <laughs> you got to move on. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that Brown's a scheme fit. He's a scheme right, fit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cover to uh, deep, deep middle, deep middle linebacker that's got to cover the the interior of the field. Yeah, exactly. So, so name just just to, to touch on this linebacker, you know, conversation for Chicago right there at twenty. A name that gets a lot of press, but but I think you you hit on hit on something was uh, Manti Te'o. You know, he's probably going to be somewhere in the later half of that first round, but I, I don't think he's a he's a good fit for the that cover two scheme. I don't think he's got the speed in the middle. Um, to to fit in that defense, the, the Michael or Casey, do you have a similar thought and, and hope that you don't see his name come off the board because he just doesn't fit in the defense that, that the Bears run? Yeah, I'd say that he's he's more of a three four inside linebacker um, where he doesn't have to have that that deep middle speed to cover a slot receiver or a tight end. Um, he's not side to side fast, nor is he. Well, it depends on who you believe if he's straight line fast, but he's really a better fit for, for somebody running the three, four, like, like Pittsburgh. Although I think that's a little early for him. Green Bay, maybe um, behind the bears may look at him, but, but the bears do like Notre Dame guys. They, 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 they have a, a plethora of them on the roster every year. So there'd be a, a sentimental uh, PR draw in bringing the, the Notre Dame guy in, but um, I, don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's the right talent profile, but neither was Shane McClellan last year, so uh, maybe that doesn't matter under the Emory regime. Well, I, yeah, you, it, you mentioned before they, they'll probably take the, the best athlete at twenty if they if they use that pick at twenty, and and I don't know if, if Manti Teo is going to be the best athlete at that at that spot. I think there could be better linebackers than him at, at twenty. Yeah, yeah, I it agree. depends on where. Ogletree's situation is uh, if teams o- overlook his off-the-field issues and, and take a chance on them. So you mentioned uh, the Packers in, in one of your conversations, and, and since we don't have a Packers representative, we can all make fun of them. Um, but they uh, they lost Greg Jennings. Uh, they lost Greg Jennings this off-season, haven't really uh, done much to to replace him. And they also, you know, I still think that they struggle in the in the uh, running game and haven't done much to, to replace that either. So um, I, I guess I'll just open it up to the group. The Packers are coming in there. They've got Aaron Rodgers, obviously the, the arguably the best quarterback in the league. I think they've got a need at wide receiver, running back and safety. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on the Packers and, and what they need to do? Uh, I hope they blow it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they're not likely to. Yeah, I know, I know. Corey, you want to jump on that one? Do you think they'll reach for Andy Lacey? You know, I've got him on my board as as a question mark right there at that spot, actually. I've got, um, you know, Eddie Lacey's right there. You're going to have that whoever's left in that Keenan Allen, Tavon Austin, you know, Justin Henner's going to start coming into play at wide receiver. Um, Giovanni Bernard's probably too early for him, but, you know, they they need a running back. They haven't had one in, in forever. I can't remember the last time they had a dominant one. They just keep cycling through these guys. They had, you know, they had uh, uh, Starks who couldn't get anywhere going. They, they've got, you know, they got rid of Cedric Benson, Ryan Grant. So, uh, you know, they just can't, can't get out of their own line. Uh, the tight end, who knows? Mm-hmm. One day I read I read that they love Jermichael Finley. One day they hate him. I, I don't I don't know where they're at with their tight end, but I think Tyler Eifert could definitely be a possibility. I think Tyler Eifert's going to end up in the NFC North. That's Either, a very good possibility. Yeah. That's uh, I I kind of the way I look at things. The the Packers have to go with either Lacey or Eifert. I don't see yep. the Packers taking a, a running back. They've like you said, they've been through their fair share of of um, low profile running backs, and and when they're healthy, they tend to get some pretty good production out of them. I, I think they may look at running back late in the draft because you, you, there's always 
backs in the sixth and seventh round. I, I, I think they go for um, perhaps wide receiver, but but I think they actually look at defense. They they have all the talent they need in Rodgers and and um, whoever can run down the field and catch a ball. I think they look they look at the defense. That's really the the core of the um, the success they have in the playoffs is. Um, you know, Charles Woodson's replacement would be somebody to look for, and depth at linebacker. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him on the defensive side of the ball when they when they pick. Yeah, what about yeah, their God. offense line? Rodgers has gotten beat up the past couple of years. Would they do something? Would they do something there? There again, I think my opinion is they're they're value a value team, good cap managers. You can draft an offensive lineman in the seventh round, and you're not going to get one of the top five tackle drafts in that late. So I think they're more likely to take a guy in the sixth or seventh and coach him up than they are to go in the first round for a – the drop-off is so big that uh, they've got such a good coaching staff. I I think they – my guess is that they don't, but it would be good if they did because I think it would be a reach. So where do you think the Packers go in the first round? I think I think defensive back. I think by the time that their pick rolls around in the, in the end of the first round, there's going to be a fair amount of the top highly rated defensive backs there still on the board. Um, you know, Trufant out of Washington. Um, maybe the uh, the uh, corner out of Connecticut, but, um, uh, Ray Wilson. Um, those are the guys I think that they Swearingen Swearinger out of South Carolina I think is another one they would uh, they would fit there that well. Those are the kinds of players I think they're willing to spend a first round pick on. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Eifert though. That's that's not that's not that wouldn't be a terrible. Yeah, pick. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I want to say that uh, Finley is set to make seven million this year. Is that? Does that sound right to you guys? Uh, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot on the tight end. Well, I've uh, I've saved the, the uh, team that always comes in last place in the division for last, so I guess it's fitting <laughs> that we'll touch on the Lions. Um, and, unfortunately, I, I have to watch every game they've played in the last 20 years, so I'm very familiar with how terrible they are. Um, you know, this year in the off season, they've they've gone and made a lot of moves, which is surprising. They usually don't, uh, so it is impressive to me that they went and did some clearing, uh, got rid of uh, uh, well, Backus retired about three years too late. They got rid of Peterman at guard. They got rid of Goster Cherilis, who just wasn't really getting it done, and unloaded a lot of other players. Uh, Cliff Averill kind of snuck away from them. They would have liked to have had him back, but what did surprise me was. You know, they made all these moves in getting rid of guys, and their their biggest signing was Reggie Bush. And I, I'm just, I mean, he's got the name and what, you know, that comes with him, but he, I'd take David Best over Reggie Bush any day of the week. And my biggest concern right now is the Lions. Why? I've got him. Why? I, I'm curious as to why. Why Javid Best? Why, why, why would you take him over Reggie Bush? It, the the little bit I've seen Javid Best on the field, he's a lot more explosive. Uh, he's a lot faster player. You know, the few games he was able to, to compete at a, at a completely healthy level, I think he was just, you know, dynamic. He could run the ball, um, you know, catch the ball. He had a lot of speed. And, and Reggie Bush over his career, he had a few flashes here and there, but he's not somebody that I'm um, – you know, wanting to get excited about having on the roster as somebody that's going to make some big, huge impact. You know, they've got – the Lions have needs at offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, safety. You know, they've got gaps all over the place. And, you know, okay, Reggie Bush brings the name and, and he fills that role that they kept trying to fill with uh, with Javid Best. But if you can't block for somebody, you know, you can't open a hole. It doesn't matter who's back there. That's why – you know, there's all these highlights of Barry Sanders all these years. He was having to to run behind, you know, nothing turnstiles, and and they just uh, keep are, doing are the same thing. Are you optimistic that Bass will play again? 
No, I think his career is over. I think this is it. He's already – they've already said he's going to open the season on the pup list. And, he, you know, I think at some point this year he's just going to be done. Uh, it's just – it's terrible. And, and I've seen articles and interviews with the guy, and he's complaining that he can't figure out why he can't get cleared. He doesn't even know why he can't get cleared. So it's just a real weird situation. Well, did you see, he, did you see when he got carried off in college? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think he was a great talent. I, I, I agree with you that he could be a better talent than Bush, but I, I just don't see, especially in this day and age of the NFL. I think the next time he gets tapped on his helmet, he's done. If he comes back, yeah, yeah, he's he's become like the poster child of of, you know, player safety and they're going to the league showing that they're protecting the players from themselves. And, you know, the guys are practicing running around saying, I, you know, I don't know why I can't get on the field. But, you know, I just – the Lions got a lot of moves to make. They've got a lot of opportunities there at five. They could go in any number of directions. I'd love to see Fisher land there at five. I think Riley Reef's more of a right tackle, so I think that would help balance out the line. Um, they could go for you know one of these Russian outside linebacker DN guys and Deion Jordan, Bjorn Warner, Ezekiel Ansa is even being being talked about up there. Or you know they could go D Milner, which I don't. You know they've got Chris Houston, they're pretty high on, and and they like to for whatever reason just kind of plug hold on the on the defensive backside. So I don't know, Michael or, or Casey, you guys have a. a an opinion there, or just hoping for two two W's on the schedule? Well, <laughs> you know, with all those holes and and that fifth pick, it it, it it's hard to go wrong, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, fortunately, uh, um, uh, what's his name? I've I've erased his name from my my memory, but uh, the, the the GM from before is gone, so he would have screwed it up. Oh, Matt Millen. Matt Millen. Matt Millen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and shockingly, you, how could you forget that name? Uh, <laughs> I can't stand that guy. And, and shockingly, the Lions still need wide receiver help, which is just like the biggest punchline in the entire league. Yeah, is that yeah. After all this, they still only have one wide receiver on the roster. So, well, haven't they drafted a defensive lineman in the first round the last couple of years, and they're still not totally short up there? Yep, they lost. Both, they've lost their entire defensive end unit. So it's just I don't know. It's it's hard to be a fan. But and you know, that oh go that, ahead. And that head coach, I mean, I don't know where that guy's coming from, but you just it just seems that 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 line seems just so undisciplined and scatterbrained, and they're kind of take the personality of that coach. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know why they they haven't gotten rid of that guy yet either. Yeah, this is this is Schwartz's last season, and, and the only thing I, I will say in his defense is, you know, for I said it before, for ten years the Lions were just a punchline and just terrible, a winless season, and I don't mind the the edge a little bit because they were just a doormat and and teams just you know make fun of them and walked all over them. So obviously you don't want to stomp on players and kick players like. Like Sue does, but right, exactly. You know, to, to come into to an zero and sixteen situation and have to change the culture of, you know, everybody from the receptionist to the to the quarterback, uh, you know, the guys the guy had a tough. Well, Mike tough, and Casey, uh, don't you, don't you think Trestman is doing that in Chicago? Uh, yeah, in, but in you know, I, yeah, I'm sure he will. No doubt about it, but I don't, I, I, and I don't know enough about Tressman to really, to really talk about him. I've, I've only heard him in a, a handful of interviews, and obviously we haven't seen anything that that he can can do on the on the field as a as an NFL head coach. So it's really hard for me to to. Uh, well, the, the, how, how did you guys feel about uh, the both of you Lovey getting fired? Now I wasn't surprised at all. Phil Emery was forced to keep him for a year after he got hired as GM, which 
you know, he, he seemed to take it in stride. But as a general manager, I would think that you, that you want your head coach to have the same philosophies as you. So when they didn't make the playoffs, it, it kind of made it easy for Phil Emery to fire Lovey Smith. I, I, I guess my argument on that would be is if if the Vikings had not beat the Packers, the Bears would have went to the playoffs. That's true, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he got fired because the Vikings beat the Packers. Didn't say it was fair, but I'm not, <laughs> I said it. I was shocked, you know. He, he well, was, uh, he was, he, there were six losses, but you could you could say he had another uh, had more than a small role in, and I think uh, I think this was coming. He he hadn't made the playoffs in a couple of years. He started strong every year. And I think um, I wasn't necessarily for it, mostly because I didn't see that there were a whole lot of better options out there. I don't see the point in firing somebody if you can't put in a coach, you know, as an upgrade. But uh, but that that change didn't surprise me either. And it's, yeah, I don't think it was because that one last week of the season they didn't didn't win. It was it was because they had some ugly ugly games before that 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 got them in the position of needing the Packers to beat the Vikings. You know, and they've... Obviously, Levy Smith was a defensive-minded coach, and they spent so much to get Jay Cutler, and and he really hasn't been the quarterback that they thought they were getting. And uh, I don't know if that's that's the coaching staff's fault, but, uh, you know, obviously Phil Emery got a guy who's had... uh, really successful track record working with quarterbacks and you know this is, this is going to be a big year for Jay Cutler it's, it's, I think this is a make or break year for him is this the end of his contract? this is last year's contract yeah yeah so, yeah he's still on his Denver contract right? Uh, oh. yeah they extended him yeah I thought, I thought I was going to say I thought they extended it yeah uh, okay well, I think this has been a great conversation tonight here on the NFC North. Uh, appreciate you guys taking the time to, to call in. Um, as we get ready to move on from the segment, if uh, you know, just so everybody knows, your your guys' work is out on the site, footballextrapoints.com. So if you guys want to hand out your uh, Twitter handle and then your pick for uh, for your team that you cover there in the first round. So I'll go ahead and start with Corey there with the Vikings. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Y2Kason. That's the letter Y, the number 2-C-A-S-O-N. Uh, my draft, are you asking about my draft picks? Yeah, your pick there for the, I guess the Vikings have got two, so. Yeah. So who, who do you um, think they're going to take there? I'm going uh, Tavon Austin. That, that's a t- the quarterback thing or the, I'm sorry, wide receiver thing uh, is a tough one. I'm thinking we end up with either Tavon Austin or Keenan Allen. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him go Manti Teo the next pick. Okay, interesting. We got Teo off the board. Uh, Casey, uh, you got your, your twiddle, Twitter handy and uh, your pick there for the Bears at 20. Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Mr. Mr. Casey Moffitt, that's M-O-F-F-I-T-T. And at number 20, I'm going to say that the Bears trade it, trade down. And uh, Okay. That That's my prediction. All right, great. And uh, Michael? Uh, Twitter is one football guy, and uh, I'm going to say Arthur Brown of Kansas State. All right. Well, for the uh, for the Packers, I'll just go ahead and uh, just for fun, we'll give them Eddie Lacy, just just for kicks. But if yeah, not, well, just for fun, go. I'll give them Tyler Eifert. <laughs> All right. And uh, for the Lions, I'm gonna go ahead and keep my fingers crossed that uh, Eric Fisher's there at number five. So um, that that's a look there at the NFC North. I appreciate you guys calling in tonight and talking about that so we can always cover the the NFC North and uh, be be looking for you guys if you get the chance to call in there on the 25th and and we can talk about the draft as it happens. So thanks for calling in tonight, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Scott. Nice talking to you guys. Bye. Bye. All right.
Well, that was a, a great conversation there. little bit on the Packers, so that was uh, that was great. So it looks like we have uh, another Football Extra Points rider on the line. Josh is on the line. We were going to talk on uh, – hit on the AFC East a little bit. So are you there, Josh? Yes, sir. Good to be on. Great. Appreciate you calling in tonight. Glad to be here. We uh, uh, were talking about the, the NFC North, and, and as a Lions fan, I, I get really excited about that division. So um, – you know, it's always interesting for me to, uh, to look at where the lines are going to go. But uh, the other teams I wanted to kind of hit on with you tonight was this AFC East. We've got the perennial AFC Super Bowl contender in the in the Patriots there, the Dolphins and Bills trying to rebuild, and then you've got kind of the Jets uh, um, hanging out there at the bottom. So, and we're spread out throughout the draft here. What, do you have any thoughts on any one of these teams in particular where they might need to go? You know, you got Wes Welker out the door in, in New England. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I was taking a look at the uh, the Patriots' picks in the past couple of days, and it's the first time they've had less than a pick per round. And it looks like franchise history. They only have five picks this year, which is odd for a Belichick team. Um, they actually have only three of the top 91 and I guess since the Raiders changed their management, they can't really take their top five pick every year. So it's interesting to see them. Um, so I have the, uh, the Patriots pick at 29, and they need a cornerback. It uh, seems like they do every year, but this year it's kind of a glaring need. I have them taking either uh, Desmond Trufant from Washington or Xavier Rose from mm-hmm. Florida State. But I wouldn't be too yep. shocked to see trade down to uh, package picks and uh, pick more in the second and third, seeing as it's a deep draft. Yeah, I agree. They've got, you know, they're notorious for moving around, and, and there are. I've got, you know, Rhodes, Trufant, Jameer Taylor, Jordan Poyer, Jonathan Bank, all those guys kind of in that in that range there at number 20. Um, they could also go, you know, wide receiver, but I just don't, you know, I don't think Belichick likes taking these high-end wide receivers. He likes getting those guys kind of late. Yeah, I, uh, I have them taking a wide receiver in the second, uh, should the guys be there. There was a uh, uh, Derek Rogers from Tennessee Tech. It's one of those mm-hmm. talented with character issues, but if there's anybody that uh, can fix the character, it's definitely Bill Belichick. And um, I also believe that they can take a look at uh, Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver from Texas, as uh, kind of playing a what a Welker and Danny Woodhead role was, as both of them are either gone, or I think Danny Woodhead is still uh, a free agent. But... I, just the fact, yeah, I uh, think Woodhead signed with San Diego. I think I saw that he signed with San Diego, actually. He may have. I, uh, I missed that if he did. But, uh, yeah, I have them using Goodwin because uh, I've, I've watched Amendola for a little while. He used to be on the Eagles practice squad, so I saw him up close uh, about five, six years ago. And he's, he's a great player, but um, as you know, I'm sure him being on the Rams, he has a – kind of a tendency to get injured a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's and, kind of uh, – I've kind of joked to you, he must be made out of glass because that guy is hurt more often than any wide receiver, I think, in the league right now. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the main difference between him and Welker is Welker, you see him get just absolutely handled and hit hard right across the middle. seems like every game, and he, except for that one ACL injury two years ago, he's pretty much stayed uh, afoot. Yep, exactly. And also, you know, kind of the, the opposite of the Patriots in that league would be, I would think, is the Jets. I mean, you can't go – you can't be more of a polar opposite as far as how they handle players and positions. And, you know, they've got needs all over the place. I think – you know, I personally think they need a quarterback. But, you know, they definitely need offensive line help. They need linebacker help, defensive help. I still don't think they have enough wide receivers uh, on the, on the, the roster either. Do um, you have any thoughts there on the on the Jets and where they need to head in the draft? Uh, yeah, like like you said, they pretty much have a need at I'd say around ten at least of the twenty two positions on the field. But uh, it it seems like they they just because of reputation seem to have had a good defense, but it's really not been as great as it seems like. Uh, that's why I have them taking either uh, Ezekiel Ansah from BYU or uh, Barcavius mm-hmm. Mingo. 
just kind of a uh, they need more of an athletic pass rusher to run around, mm-hmm. uh, kind of take the pressure off of uh, neither none, none of their linebackers that they have can really tackle anybody within the uh, inside ten yards. Um, there's been a lot of chatter about Bar Scott. He hasn't really been much anything either, either there. Um, I also have the Jets in the second round taking a look at a, uh, a guard, um, Larry Warford, not, uh, not to the level as uh, Warmack or Jonathan Cooper, but he's uh, still very serviceable. I think he's at 340 pounds. Uh, that'll help the uh, maybe Mark Sanchez won't run into the back of him as seeing as such a big target. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's. Uh... Sanchez. He, he, if there was any decent quarterback up there, they they need to draft one. But Geno Smith, I don't think, is an upgrade over over Mark Sanchez. You know, and, and speaking of quarterbacks, you've got you know Buffalo went out and grabbed Kevin Cobb after they released Fitzpatrick. You know, whatever it was, two years ago they gave him some huge contract. Um, I I see Buffalo needing to go all defense here on this one, either inside outside linebacker, uh, any. Any different thoughts there on Buffalo and, and where they're going? Uh, I agree with you. I think they also will be addressing linebacker. I uh, I have them taking Jarvis Jones if uh, their doctors give him a clean bill of health, as that's pretty much been his biggest weakness. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of there's been a lot of talk about them taking Geno Smith should he get there, but um, I don't really think that he's he's the best quarterback in this draft. But that's not saying too much. And uh, with the Bills having Doug Marone as their new coach, I could see them going after Ryan Nassib in the second or the third round, just since he knows the system. And really, they yeah. just need somebody to run around and give the ball to C.J. Spiller. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then there at the uh, the, the last team, uh, the Dolphins, they seem to have their quarterback situation figured out with uh, uh, with Tannehill and what he's doing. So um, for me. You know they they need to give him some some weapons, give him some help there to uh, to get the ball out, and maybe go uh, a wide receiver. They also obviously need to replace Jake Long, and um, they lost Reggie Bush, but I, I don't think that's that's much uh, of a priority for them. Do you have any any thoughts there on the Dolphins? Uh, yeah, they, I I actually have them taking an offensive lineman. Uh, in the first, just replace Jake Long. Uh, they have Jonathan Martin from Stanford, but uh, he's more suited to be a right tackle. Um, there's a lot of talk about Fluker from Alabama, but I think he's also a right tackle. So if Lane Johnson mm-hmm. is there, it's, I think they go there. But uh, then I agree with you about taking the weapons. Like Mike Wallace is good, but they still need more. I don't think Devon Best is very good, and Hartline may be one of the most overpaid players in the, uh, the National <laughs> Football League right now. I have them taking yep. a uh, tight end either in the second and third, like Vance McDonald, somebody who can also uh, stretch the field. Uh, in addition, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This is always an interesting division that they get a lot of press. You know, New England they get a lot of headlines because of their talent, and the Jets just because they're uh, they're soap opera. So the the Bills and the Dolphins kind of get left left out. But you know, I think that's. That's the way this division is. Buffalo, Miami, Miami are floating around there at eight and eight, seven and nine, and the Jets down at the bottom again. Um, so that, that's that's an interesting look at that division. I, like I said, they always get a lot of press. You always hear a lot about them. So it's uh, it's an interesting group, that's for sure. Yep, yes, sir. The Dolphins have, uh, I think they have five picks in the top hundred. So it should be good to see. But like you said. Right now, it's the Patriots division. Until uh, Tom Brady leaves, I think it's going to stay that way. Yep. Well, I appreciate you calling in tonight. Uh, Josh, your your work is up on the site also, footballextrapoints.com. Do you want to give everybody your Twitter handle and, and let them know how they can follow you and follow your work? Uh, yes, sir. I, uh, my Twitter handle is at jcolacci, J-C-O-L-L-A-C-C-H-I. Um, I am the Eagles writer for Football Extra Points and an NFL Draft Guy. Uh, you can see my work on here. I also have some work on Pro Football Central, and uh, there's another blog around in Philadelphia area called highfive.net. Um, but, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. If anybody has any questions, I'll be sure to answer anything you have. 
All right, great. Thanks for uh, calling in tonight, Josh. All right, thank you. Yep, see ya. All right, and it uh, looks like we also have uh, Chris, Chris Daughtry from Draft Insider on the line. Thanks for holding, Chris. Hi, how are you? Great, great. Uh, th- thanks for calling in and, and holding. Uh, we are uh, got a full show tonight, lots of draft talk, so I uh, appreciate you calling in. Anytime. Wanted, wanted to touch with you last week. We went through your uh, top ten of the of the mock draft that you put together and I thought it might be interesting tonight to kind of work uh work the bottom half of the the bottom 10 of the draft. You know, these are the teams that are are playoff teams who, you know, in theory have a lot more um talent on the roster depending on what they lost in free agency, so they should be filling more very specific roles. Um you know, as we look at Minnesota, they're at about 23. They've got two picks in the bottom half. Um you know, any anybody in particular that stands out to you? you? You know, you've got Minnesota there. Indianapolis seems to be making a lot of moves here in free agency, and then you get into the Packers and Houston and Denver, and New England. These these Super Bowl contenders. Anybody down there um, stand out to you as to a big need that they need to fill in this draft, or or a piece that they need to get to the Super Bowl? Well, I think when you look at the the Minnesota Vikings, obviously they lost a big piece of Percy Harvin. Uh, when they traded him to the Seahawks, you know they did sign Greg Jennings, who I I've said on record many times I, I don't think he'll see uh, more than two years of that contract. Uh, I think that he's not the same player he once was when he was in his prime in Green Bay. So obviously they need to fill a need there at wide receiver, and I think that the perfect guy for that at 25 would be Robert Woods from USC. Uh, he's a fantastic playmaker. He pretty much was the offense alongside Marquise Lee out there in USC, and he made Matt Barkley look fantastic. I think he's got some of the best hands in this entire draft, and he's a great route runner. Uh, I think that he is a a very good prospect, and he's great value for them at 25th overall. Uh, and also for the Vikings, I like Jesse Williams from Alabama. I think that they get themselves the opportunity to refortify that Williams wall that they once had when Pat Williams was there with Kevin Williams. And I think that the opportunity for Jesse uh, to learn from a guy, a former All-Pro in Kevin Williams, uh, only makes their defense better. Okay, yeah, that that's a good pick there for them. Um, you've got we were just talking AFC East uh, a few minutes ago with Josh as far as New England goes and kind of their needs. Um, you know, they're they've moved on from Wes Welker, so um, Danny Amendola can't seem to stay on the field. Do you, do you see them going wide receiver again, or do you think that's out out of Belichick's uh, um, mode there in the in the mock dra- in the draft? Well, I think one thing you have to look at when you look at Belichick is when he drafts high, uh, you know, or in the first round overall, he, he doesn't necessarily draft offensive skill players often. Uh, a lot of times it's defense or offensive line. Uh, and I think this draft of uh, safety is, is exactly what they're looking for uh, at the end of the first round if they don't trade out. You know, this wide receiver class is very deep. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers that you can find that can start right away that you're, you're going to be able to get in the third and fourth round. Well, I think a guy like Eric Reed from LSU, who I feel is extremely underrated, uh, could get great for them at 29. I, I like Reed. Uh, he's a quality playmaker. He's very instinctive, and I think that's going to carry him to the next, you know, carry uh, in the next level. And I think he's a perfect Patriot type player. You know, Belichick's only going to draft guys that are going to succeed in his system, and I think Eric Reed would be a great, uh, great pick for them at 29th overall. Yeah, that, that would definitely uh, fit the, the Belichick mode. And then at the the very back end of that first round, we've got the two Super Bowl teams, San Francisco and Baltimore. And, uh, you know, San Francisco obviously went out and gra- grabbed Namdi Asamoah. Uh, Baltimore's lost uh, some playmakers there in uh, Lewis at the back end of their career, but got extremely fortunate when Dumerville's contract situation got messed up in uh, in Denver. Well, where do you see those two teams heading in the draft? Well, I think the 49ers, uh, they need to replace Delaney Walker on offense, and I think that a great pick for them would be Zach Ertz, a guy that Jim Harbaugh recruited during his tenure in Stanford. He knows Ertz. He knows what kind of system he's going to succeed in and what type of player he's going to be, and I think that if you were to bring a guy that you coach in college to your team, that just gives Colin Kaepernick another high-quality playmaker at his disposal. So you add Ertz to an an offense that already includes Vernon Davis, Frank Gordon, Michael James, Michael Crabtree. Now they have Anquan Bolden. I think it just makes it so much more effective for them to to really grow that offense behind Colin Kaepernick. And as far as the Ravens are concerned, I like Kevin Minter from LSU. I think Minter's a great linebacker. Uh, You know, they need to be able to avoid that, that 
post-Super Bowl hangover, uh, which they weren't able to do when they won it in 2001 uh, because they, they had a fire sale that year, too. And it just seems that you know every time the Ravens win the Super Bowl, they have to let go of a lot of players. Um, you know, Kevin Minter has big shoes to fill uh, in Ray Lewis, and, and nobody's expecting him to fill shoes. They're just expecting him, uh, you know, to produce. And I think Kevin Minter from LSU is a great 3-4 linebacker. He can do well with uh, – funded by Terrell Suggs, loading not uh, – you know, guys on that defense, and I think that he'd be a great value pick for them at 32nd overall. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that would be a good spot. I've got, um, I've got inside linebacker as one of their needs. Also, uh, you know, I, I think they've got some some offensive line needs there, and so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting in, in seeing how they go to to fill up that those holes that they've created for themselves. Um, so um, appreciate you calling in tonight, and I know you've got a. Uh, are you going to be live the night of the draft on on your radio show? That hasn't been a hundred percent confirmed yet, but that is the goal as of right now. Okay, great. And if you want to let everybody know where to find your work and your website and your Twitter account. Yeah, you can find my work on either www.withthefirstpick.com or www.edraft.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Draft Insider. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you calling in tonight, Chris. Hey, no problem. Thanks. Thanks. All right, that was uh, Chris Daughtry with Draft Insider. Uh, called in talking about the the playoff teams that made the uh, uh, teams that made the playoffs last year and where they're heading in the draft. So it'll be interesting to see what they do on the back half. So I think we've covered the draft from you know as high as the the Lions there at number five, all the way down to Baltimore at uh, 32. So a lot of opportunities to talk about different players, where they're going to be and what's going on. So uh, it's really, really good to talk about uh, where different players are going to be at in the draft. So, you know, where with your team that you follow where they're going to be. So, um, you know, I've said this before, these mock drafts, you know, they're not going to be right exactly who, who goes where in the draft, but it's, it's interesting to look at them as far as what players are available in the general vicinity of your team, what your needs are, so you have an idea of of, uh, of what's going on. So um, let's go ahead to our extra point for this evening. Red 18! Red 18! Hut! Hut! All right, so our extra point tonight uh, is the draft. You know, we talk about it all night. We we focus on it uh, um, this off season, and it's really the Super Bowl of the off season. But you know, the NFL has really gotten this thing right. Um, they they put it on TV years ago, and and nobody really thought about why it was on TV or really watched it. And and then it grew into this big event, and it was a two day event on the weekend. And then uh, uh, Goodell got in there and and really tweaked it even more and, and pushing the, the draft to primetime has just been huge. I mean, it makes it a national TV event, Thursday night, primetime. They can hype it up. They do one round. You know, the the issue or comments before about the draft was you spend 12, 14 hours a day watching the draft both days. You got to be pretty hardcore to do that, which, which I am and, and most of you out there are. So that's not a problem for us. But, you know, now they take that that first round, they package it, they make it a big deal, they put it on TV, um, it's easy for people to digest, and, you know, pr- people don't really hang around Friday and Saturday, but uh, as much as they do Thursday, but it's a it's a, a perfect uh, made-for-TV event now, and, and it's just helping the NFL grow and continue to go, so, um, you know, they're, they're really, the, the NFL's really good about packaging up uh, the league and, and getting it out there, so, um well, I appreciate everybody calling in tonight. We had a great show. We had uh, Corey, Casey, and Michael talking NFC North. We had Josh on talking AFC East. And Chris with Draft Insider coming on talking about the, the playoff teams there. So um, great show tonight. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, don't forget our draft night special April 25th at 8 p.m. We'll be live talking about the draft. And uh, you can always find the website out there, footballextrapoints.com. So I appreciate you tuning in to Football Extra Points on our sports radio, and you guys have a great night, and we'll see you next week.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.